there, and welcome to another episode of Sound Stories, an inspirational podcast for creative professionals and storytellers who want to improve their lives at home and at work. I'm Stephanie Cicerelli, your host and co-founder of Voices.com. From shows like Saturday Night Live to Whose Line Is It Anyway, comedy writing can inject both humor and thoughtfulness into the narratives we use to describe life today. But you don't have to be in a funny business to benefit from the practices that comedy writers use when crafting their stories. Improv, in particular, can be quite useful in character development and team building. Joining us today to talk about all of this is Brandon Rudd. He's the founder of London, Ontario's improv comedy troupe, Shut the Front Door. Welcome to the show, Brandon. Thanks for having me. All right. So just to make sure we're all on the same page, can you describe to our audience what improv is? So improv is uh, derived usually from from theater um, and is used as a training technique, but also as a performance uh, vehicle as well. And improv is basically making it all up on the spot um, and is usually done in at least a pair, if not a full ensemble or group. Um, most people are somewhat uh, dumbfounded by the fact of an ensemble getting on stage and taking in a suggestion from an audience member uh, or, or, or say Twitter or Facebook and uh, being able to develop scenes, characters, all based on just that one word or that one suggestion. It is a little unnerving for most people. Like I remember watching Wayne Brady and, and all of those wonderful people, Colin Mockery, just up there and, and they're literally at the mercy, whatever is happening to them in that moment. And there has to be, I guess, some kind of ability to adapt, to be quick, to think on your feet, but also to, to be able to relate to those situations and, and make it seem like this could really be happening. Absolutely. And I mean, the, the names that you just mentioned are absolutely the 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 top echelon of, of those performers. And um, it really is it really is exhilarating. It really is exciting about when a bunch of folks get on stage, given that 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 word or that sentence or that that relationship to try and develop something. And we find that that our audiences are very receptive to things that they can identify with, as well as the performers. A lot of times I tell my performers, have fun, go on stage, be creative, just be in the moment. And by doing so, they create some of the most creative and interesting characters, storyline, dialogues, and sometimes if we're lucky, they tie all together. Um, as far as that, you know, as far as having that talent, it's it's working with the, with the people. It's just being able to look across the stage and know people trust you and people have your back. And if you're having an off night or you're having a great night, it doesn't matter because as an ensemble, we all help each other uh, make something great. I've been in choirs before and certainly understand the whole notion of being in an ensemble and someone else having your back and, and possibly even knowing the other people's parts, you know, being able to sub in or, or to at least uh, be connected enough and, and invested in what that person is doing so that you can help to bring them along. So could you maybe share about how teams can use improv when they're brainstorming? Like maybe they've got this new service or product and, and they're trying to hammer these details out. Well, how can we use those same skills and techniques that come from improv to help us create something really wonderful. I think first and foremost, the the number one thing that you need to have in that room is is trust. Um, improv is amazing and so freeing when there's an there's a culture of trust there. So my focus initially if I were if I were going into workplace or going into a group would be to emphasize that we trust each other in the room, that we trust that the ideas that are being shared may not be polished and may not be the most perfect version of what we're sharing. 
but at least let's let's as a group examine it or explore it or at least accept it accept the gift which we call an improv is when improvisers give information on stage or they provide what we call a gift and that gift is to their partner to the scene to make it evolve into something better so thinking in terms of brainstorming sessions and groups you have to develop trust first to allow that creativity to open and allow all ideas to be heard maybe not all ideas are what it's going to solve the problem or going to get you to your end result. But having that process and, and respecting the people and the process will take you much in, in, a, in a much more successful direction, I believe. All right. So this whole notion of having trust ahead of time is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of You can't just expect to fall into someone's arms and they catch you at first in, in this situation. Because um, if you're not used to listening to everyone's ideas and giving them the same amount of respect at first, this could be a very difficult exercise to embark on. So what can someone do to help build trust before they find themselves in this situation? I, I want to make sure that if they take these ideas from the show today, that they can actually run with them really successfully, or at least think of how they can make sure that their team is prepared for for creating an environment where people do feel safe. Um, one of the things I would recommend is if you know you're going to go down this path of wanting to, to start uh, having more creative sessions, more wide open brainstorming sessions, different from what you've you've maybe previously had I would start saying incorporate ice breaking games get to know people games and these are all part of the the improv um, community like you can find these readily on the internet uh, uh, through various literature etc and you can just do these start incorporating them in your normal meetings and you'll start to see a shift uh, or at least hopefully see a shift in in, in sort of the culture of, okay, well, that was silly, but I got to know my coworkers better. Or maybe I'm, you know, I'm always professional, I'm always political, I'm always, you know, well-polished. Well, let's try and do something that the group accepts if you're not. And once you start kind of peeling back those layers of, of what we kind of feel we need to do in those environments, we find that we can really get to some great ideas and we can really get that team dynamic because the other thing that makes the sort of like, you know, uh, peeling back the, the, the curtain on all of this is improv works with group mind. The, the, the idea is that the group that you're performing with in, in the case of, of improv all kind of has an idea where people are going, what they're doing, and they sense it. It's not a look. It's not a hand gesture. It's a sense. And so when you have that, if you have that in a brainstorming session or a creative session, you are in a great spot. Now it's just coming up with what are we trying to solve and how are we going to solve it? Oh, so would that be like the feeling that you get on a team when you're gelling? When you yes. feel like, okay, well, we're really in this together. This is something that, um, you know, I can trust this person. I know that if this happens, it will be okay. And no one's going to laugh at me or my ideas. Yes, it's that it's that feeling of inclusion, that gelling, that I was just thinking that same idea. I always know that teams are are, are doing well when it was just like uh, they slap their their knee and say, "Oh, you beat me to saying that," and and that's actually something that we see frequently on stage. Um, so it, it really is that exactly that gelling feeling, but it's I would even say it's at a higher level. I would say that to get to where improvisers need to be to feel comfortable with each other and performing on stage. Uh, that you actually need to take it one step further and say, we're not only gelling, I can almost sense where you're going with this or where you you might 
explore. And mm-hmm. I'll be right there to help you explore it too. Well, like being on the same wavelength, maybe that's mm-hmm. another way of putting it. So we've established that there definitely needs to be trust in the room. So what else helps improv to go well? First thing, uh, as soon as we establish trust in, in, when we do classes and, and seminars and workshops, is establishing the yes and. And in essence, yes and is agreeing with what has been given or presented, the gift that has been given, and elaborating or adding something to it so that your partner can then continually accept it and add to it. Um, If you do this correctly, it is amazing how far you can go and how creative you can get. And I've seen it from students. I've seen it from performers. I've seen it from starting with the most obscure word or suggestion and somehow it turns into a 45-minute scene um, or a variety of scenes. So we definitely want to emphasize the yes and. As part of yes and, it also has kind of two, what I look at is two additional arms that it, it, it serves. One is to make your partner look good. Again, when you're up there and on stage or you're doing anything, say, in, in, a, in a, you know, a group session or a group setting, a brainstorming session, you want to make sure that we make each other look good. It helps build that trust. It's also in an essence of saying yes and to ideas and exploration. But it's so rare sometimes in our this day and age that we actually focus on making others look good and other work and other ideas um, shine. So for for us, that's a big one. You know, the, understanding the fundamentals of why you want to make somebody look good. Um, the third piece to that is basically heightening and exploring. Heightening and exploring is when we have trust, we're yes anding, we're making each other look good, and then we're looking for the idea we're looking as a group on how we can find that idea that character that point of view that story that angle and really as a group solve whatever problem or create whatever product or or um, story we want i like what you did um, when you highlighted the fact that we want to make each other look good and that is not necessarily a natural human response because a lot of, um, you know, being just who we are is is very egocentric. And, you know, it's about me or what I can do or or you you hear someone talking to you, you know, you're having conversation, but you're really not listening to them. You're thinking about how am I going to answer what they just said to me? So this is kind of a neat um, idea because this whole social media, you know, you're posting your highlight reel, all this is very, very much focused on the self. But... I, I do enjoy that you're elevating someone else, that you're you're bringing them up, um, maybe not saying they are better than me, but saying we are equals and this is why this works. Absolutely. And and part of that is this is the subscription to saying that I believe as an improviser and if you're an improviser, that we understand that we're playing by the same rules and our objectives are the same. So the trust is essential going back to to what we were saying before is essential because I trust that we're subscribing to this. So if I'm making you look good, I have the confidence and, and, and trust that you're doing the same for me. And I mean, we, when in performance, that's, that's kind of an easy forum to do that, but it's, you, you see it creep into your personal lives. You see it creep in outside of, of, of that forum and you start going, wow, I'm getting better results in my personal life. I'm getting better results in, in in another endeavor or, or something like that. I have better relationships with my kids or my, my family. And it really starts to creep in that way. And, And so it just becomes normal. It just becomes a part of your life is now making people look good. And it's amazing how many roadblocks and how many, um, 
even creative blocks can happen when you look across the room and you see somebody who's waving your flag, who's saying you're the best, you're the, your ideas are ones that I want to listen to and explore with you. Not just great clap from a distance, and but back to me. And it's so refreshing, especially now, as you as you highlighted with social media and pr- promo reels and, and self-promotion. And I really think that especially now, this is something that we really, really need to focus on. It sounds like the entire process there that you've described does work to bring out the best in all of us. But what I like is that that whole idea that we are improvisers. And what it means to be an improviser is that I have ideas, you have ideas. We're working toward a common goal and I value what you have to say. So I wonder what would happen if that were applied, you know, not just corporately, um, but but when you go to work on a project with another creative team or something and, and you maybe have competing visions, but really ultimately the vision should be how do we make the best commercial? How do we create the best film? Uh, what is it going to take for us to, to you know, make something of value for this end client? And, and uh, you know, how are our unique strengths and abilities going to play into that? I, I think that just the, the elevation and the talking to people on that same level would bring more unity, but mm-hmm. it would also bring more cohesion to that, that vision of, of what actually needs to be done. I, I absolutely agree. And and I, uh, I've i had my fair share of time in corporate environments as well, just to speak to that. And, you know, the, the one thing that I think this process shows is the is an undeniable commitment to producing something that that the creators are proud of, that the creators feel that putting their brand or their name on is, is, is something of a reward and, and valued for their hard work. Um, but I also believe that, you know, as we have hierarchies in our organizations or, or even, you know, as freelancers, you know, we we still at the end of the day, we still are looking for results. And once once we start proving that in a consistent rate and using the, the, the given sort of structure within improv and how that process works, I really think it's it becomes almost undeniable for your management or for your for that hierarchy to take notice and recognize that uh, this is a valuable tool. It doesn't have a large overhead cost. It's something that you can do whether you're five years old or 105 years old. And so it really helps a, a variety of initiatives, whether it be corporate, whether it be personal, whether it be professional, and anything in between. So I really agree with with the fact that it. I would I would love to imagine a world that started with improv, and started with the principles of improv, and see where we go and see where we can go together. And again, the key word there is together, because if we don't, in the absence of trust, in the absence of uh, making each other look good and saying yes and and heightening and exploring together. We're inherently going to have those uh, th- those those roadblocks along the way. Well, definitely. I couldn't have said it better myself. So I'm just going to lead us in a little bit of a different direction sure. now. Yeah. Uh, now, for storytellers out there, and of course, everyone listening likely is a storyteller of some kind, uh, whether you know you're a script writer, video game creator, filmmaker, or marketer, like. As we said before, uh, we're all responsible for creating something, and sometimes it is a campaign of some sort. Um, now, how can us, they, we, <laughs> as creators, <laughs> um, use improv for character development? Really, really, uh, really, really great set of tools. And and improv, in essence, when we're teaching our students, we always say that it's a tool set. You start 101, you may have had no experience whatsoever 
we give you an empty tool belt. And by the end of all everything that we've we've taken you through, all the journeys we've taken you through, all the ups and downs, we hope that you have a pretty full tool belt on your way out. And when we say out, we just mean out of the the, the instruction, but into the community. And it really is a strong community. Um, with that being said, for for having a community of storytellers and, and how we can do st- uh, character development, it really, there are a lot of games and a lot of uh, techniques that we use because we have to, on stage, find characters, relationships, scenarios, um, what we call beats or game of the scene, very quickly. We have to communicate, number one, to each other, but also to our audiences, who we are and why you should care about us. Um, so I think that translates well to, to uh, storytelling and character development. We have a bunch of uh, exploration tools to find points of view, to dig deeper, to really think about our, our characters. And so um, sometimes it starts just with a voice or maybe on stage we lead with a body part or um, maybe we saw somebody on, on the bus today or walking down the street that we thought caught my eye wonder if it would catch the eye of somebody on, you know, if I started a character using a trait. And sometimes we fall into the trap of falling on stereotypes or traits or things that we think everybody will know. And that's fine. But I think a lot of times the exploration, if we just did a little bit more exploration, heightening, we would find a different type of character. And those are the characters that draw me when I'm watching entertainment or listening to entertainment is... I really want to see a character I haven't seen before, or if I'm going to see a character that I've seen before, I want something different about them. I want something that 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 draws me in. Um, if there's an absence of that, I usually say, "What else can I can I be drawn to?" Which is a lot of times relationship, which is a huge huge piece to improv. I think you had mentioned a game, and <laughs> yes, we're going to try this live here dun, on the podcast. Dun, dun. Oh my gosh, I, <laughs> I, I threw this around. I thought you know I. I'm on the podcast with an improviser. Yeah. And we better just, you know, see the proof is in the pudding here. So so why don't we play a game? Sure. I'm going to let you pick the uh, scenario, what the rules are. Okay. Uh, just explain what we're about to do to everyone. And, and then um, we'll start. So one of the one of the games we like to intro with is Yes And. Um, we, because it's one of the most important and pieces to improv and understanding improv, um, we feel like that that's a game we we debut with all the time. So yes, and is played this way. Anything I say, you, uh, anything we say to each other, uh, you're going to respond with yes, and, and after the and, you're going to add something uh, that I can play off of. So for instance, if we were in the, uh, if we were in the park, the first sentence obviously doesn't have a yes, and, but uh, so we would open with, oh my goodness, the, that tree is so lush. Yes, and there's a bird in it. Yes, and the bird seems to be singing a song. Yes, and that song is somewhat familiar. Yes, I believe it's Lionel Richie. Yes, and my goodness, is that Bed Midler singing with him? Yes, I just heard that high note in Wind Beneath My Wings, and I think I'm ready to cry. Yes, and we're going to teach the world to sing, aren't we? Yes, in the highest octave possible at the loudest level. Yes, and have you got the Coca-Cola? Yes, I bought five for all of us. Oh, yes. 
It's going to be wonderful. So and scene. There. Okay, so that's interesting. I was just watching an ad campaign from um, Coca-Cola, you know, teaching the world to sing. So it kind of, it all, like, it's funny because different influences in your life that maybe you've just picked up on, little creative things here and there, can actually influence what you might say next, as we just saw in, in this little piece here. And, and it's funny because we have a Lionel Richie mug in our office. I don't think you know that. <laughs> but There's that group mind coming in. I know. I just I tapped know. into your mind. I thought Lionel Richie, something we can play with here. Wow. Okay. So that was one. Is there another game we might be able to try? Yeah. One of our essential uh, games that we play even, you know, five years into all of this before our shows is a game called 10 Things. And what this game really is focused on doing, especially in character development, is taking uh, is, is as quickly as possible uh, giving somebody or endowing somebody a word and having them say 10 things, the first 10 things that come to mind when they think of that word. Where this comes in for character development and kind of point of view is it helps you get away from the the easy ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, it helps you get away from, from you know, the, the, the stereotypical and it gets you thinking past that line. Um, so we like to play that to make sure that we have a nice collection of items if we're if we're given that character and trying to make sure that we don't play the same character over and over and over again. So the way this works, again, I'm going to give you, uh, maybe maybe you, you might want to start by giving me a, a character type. So uh, it could be, for instance, I would say a grandmother. Um, you might say something else. And then once you give me that character, I, as quickly as possible, have to give you 10 characteristics, items about that character. How about this one? College professor. College professor. Um, nerdy. Uh, glasses. Curly hair. I would say he probably wears cummerbunds to formal events. Uh, probably parks really close to the university, but not close enough for his or her liking. Uh, well-educated. Um, probably likes uh, watching documentaries about whatever they're fascinated with. Is part of a country club. Um, definitely has a family. Definitely has a family. A couple kids. Uh, and uh, has taken aviation uh, lessons all their lives. I, I don't know if that was 10, but well, it seems like it. I'll take it. I'll take it. So now I will give you, uh, I will give you a character in mind. Um, let's go with, uh, let's go with Rockstar. Loves to be on stage, wants to be the center of tension all the time, has a few quirks to them, um, maybe a couple items they want to give up the next time that they, they decide to make a New Year's resolution, for instance. Um, they they really, really love their guitar. Uh, they've named it Keith Richards. They've, you know, love being on the road, but don't like to drive. And they also really love this one t-shirt and they really should get rid of it because it's old and it stings. <laughs> See? So that's great. That's great. That's awesome that you were able to to dig deeper. Um, you actually did a great job because a lot of people would just name off things that they would find on a stage. So that's awesome. Um, what we find with that, especially for first-time improvisers, is five's real easy. Five through ten is the challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Because the five easy ones are what everybody knows. So this really can help you dive deep into your character and say, great, first five are are things that I'll present early on. But as we get into the character and their point of view and what they care about and what influences them and really make that character jump off the page or the screen, then that's where five those five to ten items come in and you can really get creative with that. That's like creating a backstory. 
Like we all know that these characters should exist before they're in the stage and then after, you know, like they can't just be in that little tiny moment because otherwise there's no depth to them. You don't really know who they are or even care, frankly, as an audience, right? Exactly. And that's that's the whole thing. I'd even challenge those who are getting tired with the 10 things, 15 things, right? You can always up it. You can always up, up the challenge level, right? I want to know what high school this this rock star went to. I want to know what kind of person they were. Maybe they were the, the class president. Maybe they had they were, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend with, you know, uh, the librarian. Who knows? You know, you never know. And that's where that's where these activities really can open your mind and the opportunities to develop those characters, to get a clear understanding so that you as the writer, you as the, the producer, or content producer can help the reader feel that. Well, all these tools and exercises for creatives are awesome. So let me thank you for that right now. I'm sure everybody's got ideas that they're they're just dying to try with their group there. Um, but I think we'd be remiss if we didn't ask about the humor side of improv. So is there a formula to being funny? Well, you'll be surprised to know that one of the things we teach day one is don't try and be funny. So you're it's kind of counterintuitive to what people think and what 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 we teach. And why we say that is because if you're focused on me, on me as the improviser making a joke or setting up a joke and delivering it and getting a laugh, it actually interrupts the flow of the group trying to produce together. And so why it's so why our shows are funny or why improv is funny is because a lot of it is relatable. A lot of it has this excitement of live on your on the edge of your seat because we've just come out on stage, put our hand up and said for the next half an hour, 45 minutes, however long, we are going to take a few words, we're going to take a few suggestions, and we're going to make it up on the fly. Automatically, your audiences respect that. Automatically, they go, I'm so glad I'm not doing that. <laughs> I am so glad. But I'm really glad I'm here to watch what could happen or what might happen. So... As far as the comedy, the comedy happens organically because people are subscribing to the system. People are are taking real life situations and and taking the suggestions from the audience is is also so imperative because when you do that, we're talking about what you did today, what influenced your day today. Maybe people, places or things that are in society and in our media that's top of mind. So now we can parody them, we can explore them, we can make a bunch of assumptions and heighten and explore all in a safe environment and a comedic environment. And those pieces come out. We play one game called First Date and it is by far one of the, one of my favorite. You literally sit a couple down uh, and you you interview them for about 10 minutes learning about their first date and if they're married and if they have children and and pet peeves and all this great content then we do kind of a day in your life of, of what they've given us and throwing in assumptions and heightening and exploring and we have had ones where our performers have barely been able to get through it based on what people have shared they've just given us such great content to work with wow so it's been it's been great uh to do that but the comedy happens because of the sus- subscription to the system working together group mind and trying to create something great together. And really that is the essence at the end of the day of improv. And isn't it funnier, like for when people are funny, they're not really trying to be funny. And I'm trying to say like, you're just saying something that might be obvious or true. And, but just the way you've positioned it or the way it happened to come out of your mouth makes it funny. 
Absolutely. It's, it's recognizing and it's all the, it's kind of all the, the, the lanes of traffic that go through your head as an improviser. You have to constantly be active listening. You every little detail you have to try and capture on top of that, you have a responsibility of interacting, whether it be physically, whether it be, um, with an emotion or a timely sentence, Sometimes you're endowed to come on stage and be a grandmother or a, a sister or a boss. Mm-hmm. You got to be ready to play those characters at a, at a drop of a hat. Wow. So if someone isn't ready because maybe they're they're not as a, like I'm, I'm a fan of Myers-Briggs. I'll just put that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and my second letter is like I'm, I'm a sensor. So mm-hmm. like I'm very much in the real this is happening right now. It's concrete. I can feel it. And all my senses pick up on things. Not everyone is like that. And so it may be harder for them. So how can someone who maybe isn't, you know, an extroverted sensor mm-hmm. um, kind of be able to live in that moment and to pick up on all these little nuances that they may otherwise miss because they're not used to doing it. It's not something they naturally would um, pick up on. Great question, actually. Um, we actually have a lot of people that go through our programs and that that, that come into to our community with exactly what you just said. And what what we focus on is building that trust. We actually had, you know, to be honest with you, we had a student that had that was very shy, um, would interact in very, very little. And um, now she's in her own troop. And I could not be I could not be more ecstatic for her, more proud of what what she was able to accomplish by having that sense of trust, that sense of community, that sense of support. Um, What we do, there are some techniques that if you get on stage, you know, just to break the ice, we always say, you know, if you're having a bad night or you don't feel like you're in your head or you just don't feel like you're you're on the ball tonight, a lot of times you just come on and you, you do something like mirroring. You just mirror whatever somebody else has offered. Because the audience, what they can recognize you know, in their brain is seeing a pattern, right? We're all programmed to understand patterns. So if I'm chopping lettuce, you come in, you're chopping lettuce. Great. We, we yes ended by using those actions. And now we're saying, yeah, we're all doing the same thing and moving it forward. And so it creates that, that sense of as the person who may be reluctant joins that scene and does that, it's building that confidence and saying, you have my back. You're making me look right. You're, you, you know, we're height. Heightening exploring will happen organically, but right now you have my back, I have your back, and a collective sigh. And it's just those moments built up over time and experiences will eventually help to make it easier each time. The other thing is having, you know, is coming to in, in improv, producing improv. Um, you want to obviously produce to win as I call it and put things that get people involved early. So we'll play a game called freeze tag at the start, which is basically just two people start a scene. There's four, you know, several performers in the back. They can yell freeze at any time, come in, tag one person out frozen in their position and start a brand new scene. So that's a way of breaking the ice as well and getting you in the mindset of improv and getting you feeling supported. Wow. Well, you know, it's all about trust, as you said, and I'm I'm just so happy that that came up as the main point here because it, it really is about relationship and feeling safe. And, and in any creative environment, you want to know that you're valued, what you're bringing to the table will at least be considered, and, and that you're building uh, toward 
the same vision ultimately as as those you're working with. So mm-hmm. uh, for anyone who would like to know more about you, Brandon, where can they go to find you? Well, for me, it's uh, shutthefrontdoor.ca. Uh, I have a profile up there. All of our information is there. Uh, we're in our fifth year now, and we're super excited to be expanding some programming uh, later this year. So um, we're constantly growing. We're constantly um, um, happy with you know how things are going in our in our community and always trying to grow it and get uh, get everybody involved as much as possible awesome well thank you so much it was great to have you here thanks so much for having me appreciate it thanks for joining us if you haven't done so already i think you really really need to go to itunes subscribe to the podcast you can even find it here on our website voices.com slash podcasts slash sound stories. If you get a chance, please give us a rating and let people know what you think. Once again, I'm your host, Stephanie Cicerelli, and I really hope that you'll join us for our next Sound Stories podcast.